I'm Jim Frawley, and this is Bellwether. Bellwether. Thank you for joining this week. I'm doing an extra episode. This was not included in my original plan for the editorial calendar, but I'm so damn excited about this television show that I wanted to, to do an episode on it. I'm going to talk to you today about Ted Lasso. And I'm a little late to the Ted Lasso game. Uh, to be fair, Ted Lasso, hear about all the time, won all kinds of Emmys and, and or yeah, I guess it's Emmys, right? The TV show. And everybody loves Ted Lasso. Everybody's talking about Ted Lasso. I said, there's no way that this show could live up to the to the expectations. You see this picture of just this goofy looking uh, Jason Sudeikis, who's always smiling, super optimistic. Um, I knew it was about soccer, which I love, or football, depending on where you're listening to it. And and so, fine, right? Everyone's telling me to watch Ted Lasso. I couldn't get over it. Like, no thanks. I finally watched it. We got a kid. I'm up early in the morning. I watched Ted Lasso, binged it. And I can't get enough of it. And the reason I can't get enough of it, people will tell you it's a great show. And I would agree with that. Although there's one or two episodes that are a little weird. But it is a great show. And I'm ready for season three, whenever it comes out. The reason I love it, and my wife laughs at me when I talk about it, is that it is a metaphorical masterclass for corporate culture. And I was talking to her. She works in HR. And when I finally started saying, look at this, that's that's psychological safety. And that's this is a meta kind of conversation on the old way of working versus the new way of working. I'm going to talk about all this stuff today. The metaphors are amazing. They're amazing. And so if you haven't watched it yet, I want to encourage you to do it. If you have watched it yet, this, this podcast is going to make a lot of sense to you. Um. But let me give you background on Ted Lasso, and I'm going to talk to you about all this stuff. And I, I tell you, this is like, uh, it's a leadership class. It's a leadership class. And as I think about the the way the economy is changing, the way the workplace is changing, all the things that we say we want in an organization, and I'm talking to you, heads of HR. I'm talking to you, heads of learning and development. I'm talking to you, people who manage teams. Ted Lasso is what you're talking about. Now, Yes, I understand it's a fake place, right? It's not It's not reality, but there are lessons in it. So here's the deal. Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso uh, goes over to England. He was an American football coach. They want him to coach English football, soccer to the Americans. Uh, he's a guy from Kentucky or Kansas or, or something. He doesn't even know the rules of, of soccer football, uh, football soccer. Uh, but he's super optimistic. And at the beginning, and this is what kind of turned me off of it, with his optimism, he has something special about him, and he's going to turn everyone, win over the team, and take them from bad news bears to the bot from the bottom to the top, and, and do all that stuff. And that's not quite what happens. Um, it builds itself, and and men and women like this show, right? I love the soccer aspect, the football aspect. My wife loves the the interpersonal aspect. She digs it too. She was all about it. Um, it builds itself as this optimistic show about interpersonal relationships and optimism. And we hear about the optimism all the time. I'm going to talk about that, how that annoys me in a minute. But um, it also builds itself as a mental, a show about mental health. 
And it is. It's, it's a show about Ted's mental health. It's a show about how we treat people dealing with mental health. It is, uh, and, and if you watch it, the way the, the community rejected it and, and ostracized it and, uh, you know, is Ted dead in the head kind of thing. And it's also about how an organization needs to show support and, and when that actually happens. And so we'll, we'll talk about the mental health aspect in a minute. I'm gonna, I keep telling you we're going to talk about this stuff in a minute, but I'm just so excited to talk about Ted Lasso, uh, which, which I don't get. I don't watch television, right? The, the shows that I binge, the last two shows I think I've watched all of them are Letterkenny, which if you don't know Letterkenny, it's, it's a, you, there's a, a unique audience for Letterkenny, but it's phenomenal and it's outrageous. So Letterkenny and The A-Team back in the 80s. Those are the two. Those are my two shows. Like everything else I watch a little bit of, you know, Seinfeld or Family Guy or, you know, we tried House of Cards and Homeland and all these other ones for a little bit. Um, I watched a little bit of The Sopranos, never really got into it. Like that's not really my thing. Ted Lasso, I'm into it. Here's the ultimate metaphor. It is a meta symbolic conversation. It's a story of good and evil, really. It's got the positivity, kindness, patience, other soft yada yada stuff. But this is a good versus evil, old versus new meta story, right? It's the story of the evil social commentary on both acceptable and productive workplace behaviors. It pits the previous regime, the previous workplace, the old symbolically toxic, symbolically male-led and dominated industry and team, the rich billionaire guy who's a playboy and treats other people, manipulates them. Um, it's manipulative, focuses on power. It, it's all of that. It pits that old, right? You look at it and say, that's evil, right? You love to hate them versus the new. Symbolically, it is um, it embraces psychological safety which is led by Ted. And I'm going to explain that in a little bit. I've talked a little bit on, on the podcast. It's female led. It's radically transparent. It gives space to saying, you know what? Everyone has a voice and your voice has meaning and value, but make sure you choose your words so that they're in the way that you want them to be communicated. And we give people the space for that. It's focused on people, not power. Uh, and it, it, it's really an old way versus new way that organizations should be run symbolic to the core. And as we're putting together our plans right now, I mean, this is what the end of 2021, we're coming out of the pandemic, might be going back in. We keep talking about this great resignation reshuffle. What we're seeing is people leaving the old regimes and going to these new regimes, these new places that are encouraging this type of work, that are encouraging you to have a voice and where they finally feel heard, right? When we, when we think about what people are looking for, when they're not looking for this crazy stuff. They want to feel heard. And they want to have a voice and they want to have impact and they want to have influence. Last week, I talked about influence without having authority. That's what people want. And if you take a look at Nathan, it was what he was craving on this show. Nathan was craving influence and they brought him in. And he was one of the most valuable people. I don't want to give out spoilers, but he was extremely valuable. Um, and then, oh, Nathan, uh, watch the show. You know what I'm talking about. But as we put together our plans, today was supposed to be a put together your plan for next year, um, beginning of December, you know, yada, yada. I'll save that to the end of the month. We're thinking about how the economy is shifting. 
the workplace is shifting, there are significant lessons that we should be embracing right now. We are at an inflection point for the workplace. From a cultural, organizational standpoint, are you supporting your people and do you have their back and do they feel and know that you have their back? Whether it's from mental health initiatives, which everyone is dealing with, everyone has some kind of mental health thing they're dealing with. Whether And, and tomorrow on LinkedIn Live, uh, I'm talking with David Jacques of, of We Do, talking about men and mental health and, and all of that stuff. But are you culturally and organizationally there for your people? How are we teaching from a learning and development standpoint? How are you teaching people to have the difficult conversations that nobody wants to have from a developmental standpoint, from a making you better standpoint? You know, if you take a look at Ted Lasso and and giving the floor to Nathan to say, you know, your anger is what fuels you on the field. Use it and, you know, categorize it and use it in the right way. How are you giving that type of feedback? And then also starting with your people, how each leader needs to be a cog in that wheel to make things happen. I'm going to cover all of those today. So let's let's talk some specifics, right? I talked to you theoretically, Ted Lasso, macro, meta, philosophically, theoretical, uh, good versus evil, old versus new, social commentary. It's great. Uh, and, and it's worth it, right? Watch it through that lens and you'll you'll really appreciate it. It's more than just a story on, on what happens on the football pitch. But now let's let's talk about the the actual specifics. One, we all know about Ted Lasso's optimism. Okay. He, he's optimistic to a fault, um, completely turns me off a bit. It's not realistic. It's the one thing that I guess you just have to put into a TV show. It's not reality. I know I'm, I'm starting on the negative, but I got to give that qualifier because that's the one challenge. You know, if you know me and my style, I, I'm a skeptic, I'm pragmatic. I love the optimism to a point, but after a while, it just gets annoying. Okay. And, and so take that optimism with a grain of salt. His unending optimism, it made me think of like these Instagram reality coaches that exist out there with their big smiles and their, you know, perfect kitchens and their whatever. And they're, they're petting, peddling life and, and, and work satisfaction in a bottle, right? Just do these things and everything's great. And it's a bunch of horse shit and it drives me bananas. That's what I thought Ted Lasso was going to be about. We realize later that it's Ted Lasso's almost facade to hide the things that he's actually dealing with. And we'll talk about mental health in a minute. But as you put together your Ted Lasso profile, you know, his optimism was part of his filter. It was part of the way he processed challenges. And it was effective to a point, right? He was very external facing to avoid his own internal challenges. And so take the optimism with a grain of salt. We can incorporate some positivity into the discourse. I think some people respond really well to optimism. I think optimism, when used appropriately, is all about context. And it's a good driver to get people to do what, you know, it's all about perspective. Not necessarily context. It's more about perspective. And he keeps a good general perspective. And that's what the optimism is driving. So, so. TV show, suspends reality, that's fine. But let's talk about what makes him actually successful. It's not the optimism. But be optimistic. Be be cheerful uh, within, within your thing. Step number one. I'm going to put this through steps on why Ted Lasso is successful uh, in theory. Number one, find your partners. He's got Coach Beard. And he's also got Nathan, right? Grr, Nathan. Um, but he's got Coach Beard. He, Ted's successful in this TV show, Fantasy World. 
because he has a fantastic COO and a very smart subject matter expert. And he trusts them implicitly. Okay. So they know where they fit. They have a platform to speak. They have a platform to give opinion. Sometimes he doesn't take their opinions. That's fine. But he's got his team in place. He doesn't do it all by himself. He doesn't even know the rules rules of football. That's why he's got Coach Beard. That's why he's got Nathan. He's got the strategist and all this other stuff. It makes your life that much easier. So that's a good first. From a leadership perspective, if you think about where you are at work and creating the culture, who are your COOs? Who are your strategists? Who are the people? Who who are your your dog pound, right? He brings in the communication guy and talking about their dog pound. It's a valuable place, right? They create these individual safe spaces for people to talk about. And he gets value out of that. So, so create your own. That's one. Second thing he did, he started with people. I think it was episode one. First thing he did, he met some people and walked around, found out it was a player's birthday and celebrated the birthday. He started, he, he let them know that they mattered. He let them know that the team was important. Also, the first thing, he created a feedback mechanism to say, look, give me whatever kind of, of talking uh, complaint that you have. And they went through it and they actually responded to it, right? The water pressure in the shower wasn't good enough. So they changed the water pressure in the shower. He slowly convinced people that he was listening and their opinions mattered. And when we focus on people, you have influence. Tell me what you're thinking. I will give it validity. All of a sudden, that's how you start to change the important people in the room. And so he remembered people's names, Look at Nathan at the beginning. He recognized that they were part of the team. Um, He brought everyone in to be a part of the team. And he started to dictate from a people perspective what was important. Because they ultimately make the decisions on the field. They ultimately make the decisions. You know, he's standing on the sidelines. If he wants people on the team to execute, they're going to have to implicitly trust each other. He was trying to build that community. He started with people. So that's great. By starting with people, he focused on communication and psychological safety. Now, what is psychological safety? I've talked about it on the show. Psychological safety is creating this culture where people can provide feedback, ideas, conversation, whatever, without fear of humiliation or repercussion. Okay? Sounds great on the surface. I think psychological safety is a very soft term. When I talk to clients about psychological safety and they never heard of it, they think that this is the most dumb, ridiculous, soft thing on the planet. So I don't like the term psychological safety, but the meaning behind it makes perfect sense. And most people, when you explain it, say, yeah, okay, that's great. How do you actually get all levels of the organization to voice their value? And that's where Ted was very good. Ted created a safe space. If you watch his conversations with people, he would ask a question. The person looks at him like he's crazy, but he just slowly, unassumingly waited for the person to answer. No judgment. Uh no anything, right? It was just, let me ask you that question. He looked at them, waiting for an answer. And then the person said, oh, okay. And they give the answer. And all of a sudden it works, right? And this impact went beyond the team. This impact went all the way up from ownership, all the way down to uh, the people cleaning the locker rooms. The owner of the team was teaching uh, an assistant coach on imposter syndrome and everything else. Like this was a psychologically safe. Everybody had a voice. Everybody was bringing value. Um, And it was great. So that was significant in terms of when we think about culture that we're trying to build. Culture means a lot of shit. Culture means a lot of things. Everybody's talking about culture. The culture, the people that are leaving your organization are going to the other organizations, are going to this place where they are valued. Organization has your back. 
leadership has your back. I think of Ted talking to Grumpy Roy, saying he said to him, I've got your back. And it blow up in his face, but it's true, right? And he had the support. And they got to where they needed to go because they had the open communication. People dropping F-bombs and being frustrated, that's fine, right? We all vent and, and communicate in our own different ways. But when we think about people first, finding our, our little committee and psychological safety, that is your master class for driving your culture. And it's the filter through which you should be driving and building your new your new organization for the new economy. So now let's talk about Ted. I know we've been talking about Ted as a show. Let's talk about Ted as an individual. Ted Lasso's got problems. And he doesn't want to address them. And so that is also a lesson for you as a leader. Whether it's his own insecurities with another expert coming in that he had to deal with. Um, his own psychological challenges from his history, which they go into. I don't want to do that, uh, get into that. Um, his issues with anxiety. Um, he bottles them up, which leads to challenges later. Um, and his attention on others is almost like his default mechanism to hide so he doesn't have to address his own personal challenges. Season two ends with him saying... I want to have a conversation about mental health and sports. I didn't just spoil anything for you, but that's kind of how it ends, right? And it's something that, you know, we all talk about mental health in the workplace. And it was, like I said before, like my my most downloaded podcast in the pandemic, why I quit drinking and my dark place and what Iron Man told me about a dark place. People don't know how to have these conversations. And so they ignore the conversations. Mental health is a big issue. And when I say it's a big issue, it's not because it's an important issue. It's also it encompasses so much, right? Whether it's drug use or alcohol abuse, whether it's anxiety, depression, stress. Um, you may not have problems with drugs or alcohol, but you might know someone who has problems with drugs or alcohol. We have stress at home. We have all of these things. Mental health is like this massive, it's, it encompasses everything. And nobody wants to talk about it. But the only way to actually address it is to have these conversations, to recognize, say, hey, I'm dealing with the same thing. And it's okay to talk about it. And, I, and, and when we find the support, as someone who dealt with his own challenges, me, I'm talking about now me, um, the more you talk about it and can logically articulate what it is you're challenged with and dealing with, all of a sudden it becomes something you can tackle or that you can address you have to release that 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 lever a little bit. You have to let the the valve go and let out some of that pressure or you're going to implode. And so, you know, Ted's got his failures. He's got his losses. He's dedicated to making the people around him better, almost to a fault because it hurts him. But it's exactly what a coach should do. It's the people around, regardless of the scoreboard. Now, you still have to get wins, right? And he has that little realization that you actually need to win sometimes. But by making your people the best that they can be, that gives you the best actual chance to win. Uh, if you watch the Michael Jordan um, thing, the Chicago Bulls, uh, what was it on ESPN, the 10-part series on the Bulls in the 1990s, his big realization that got them to the championship was he couldn't do it all himself. He had to make the team around him better. And that's what good coaches understand is that it's not about you. It's about your people. And so with corporate and workplace and economy and everything, there are always going to be wins and losses. If you were to look at your business right now, what were your wins last year? You also had a hell of a lot of losses. 
doesn't mean you stop getting up and, and trying to take a shot. So wins and losses come and go, regardless of culture. Wins and losses are going to happen. Fixing culture isn't going to make you win everything. But people are going, the best people are going for the right culture. And the best people are attracted and are, aren't going to put up with the shit of the old toxic workplace anymore because they don't have to. Right. We're not beholden by geography anymore. We're not beholden by, you know, where we are and, and what's difficult. We can work from anywhere now. And the best people are going to those places that have the right culture in place. That when you get the best people in the right culture, all of a sudden your wins are going to double your losses. That's how you stack your deck by attracting the best people. And so if wins and losses are going to happen anyway, you might as well really want the best people around you. You're going to want to like the people you work with. You're going to want to like going into work. You're going to want them to like being there because it attracts the very best people so that you better your chances of, of hitting a home run or scoring a goal or whatever it is that you want to do. So this is bigger than Ted Lasso is bigger than the team. It's bigger. Like it was part of the community. The community went behind it. The English are fanatical about their football, which I love about it. It's cool. Um, it's a little unhealthy, but part of what makes it fun if you've never been to a pro soccer football match it's so it's so much better than the other sports in the states and i I know it sounds snooty to say that but you've got supporter clubs and singing songs and it's uh the first time i went to a soccer game it was u.s versus turkey and it was a world cup qualifier like years ago my sister got tickets i'd never been to a soccer game so i said yeah okay cool man i'll go half the stadium were turks which i was like that's bananas where'd they come from i didn't even know that many turks in the states uh, there are people with signs. Turkey is a deli meat. It was kind of, it was ridiculous. It was in Philadelphia. So, you know, whatever. They were all crazy. But the energy in the stadium was crazy for soccer. And I didn't even know the rules of soccer, but I loved it. And I was hooked from that point on. When you go to a good soccer or football match, there's, there's really nothing like it. And that's fantastic. So how season, how, let's wrap up with Ted Lasso. Talk about you for the new year. The season ended. Season two ended. And it's, uh, I can't spoil it for you, but damn it. it. It's a cliffhanger. So I can't wait for season three. To be fair, to be fair, if you're a Letterkenny fan, to be fair, not everyone will be on board for the changes you're going to make. Okay? We have to fundamentally change the way that we're dealing with people at our organizations. That is not hyperbolic. Okay? No hyperbole for me. You are going to have to change the way you do things. We're going to have to change the way we treat people. We're going to have to change the way that we communicate. And we have to teach them how to do it. Okay? This is a tall order. This isn't something like, let's let's dust off something from the late 90s, you know, some coaching training program, and let's give them a PowerPoint presentation. Everything's going to be fine. My clients are coming to me. This is fundamentally different than anything we've ever done before. And it's working. Okay? But you need the right people to implement this. By the way, that's me. Um, we're going to see a big battle in season three on Ted Lasso. You're going to see, as you see at the end of season two, not everyone's on board with the changes that happen. Not everyone's on board with this egalitarian, everyone gets a voice. Some people want to shine a little too bright. Um, But there is a bigger picture than ourselves. And people are going to fight you on it. And as you take a look at the culture, the culture leads. Okay, your people are going to lead you. And some people aren't going to fit. And it's addition by subtraction at that point. So so think about the culture that you wish to drive. And if you're not CEO of your organization, let's say you've got a small group, you can do it within the context of a bigger 
company. Okay, this isn't, you know, don't just sit and wait for the CEO to wake up and do this, right? If the CEO is running their own kind of agenda and you run HR or you run sales or you want marketing, whatever, do it in your organization, right? Your group, you have people, you can start to make these changes in the way that you wish to work. We just have to commit to it and we have to embrace it and we have to give people the feedback mechanism the feedback platform so that this becomes a conversation. That's the only thing that's going to save your organization and get people to get the best people coming to you. So let's take, let's take our lessons from Ted um, and the crew. If you haven't watched it, binge it over the holidays. It's, it's catchy. It's pretty catchy. There's two weird episodes um, that I didn't really care for, but like backstory and, and all that stuff. I get it, character development and everything, but it was a little too, too odd. But that's later, right? You'll know when you see it. The rest of it, you're like, hell yeah, I want to be in. Um, create that culture of transparency, honesty. It isn't easy. It isn't easy. We have to remember where the other people are coming from, right? Go back and listen to my podcast on how to communicate, how to give feedback. We have to understand where people are coming from. How does, you know, if you're the owner of a firm or the CMO or chief operating officer or whatever, a low-level person do they feel comfortable giving you that feedback? That's an anxiety-inducing thing, potentially a career-ending move. How do you teach them how to do that in the most effective way? That's your responsibility. Okay? I can teach you how to do it. I can teach all you people how to do it. I can teach everybody how to do it. Right? That's why I'm here. Damn it. Uh, but it's certainly a uh, top priority for you. I'm telling you, this is a top priority for you in 2022 and every year beyond. So do that. Watch Ted Lasso. Thank you for listening. And as always, I'm here. Follow Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. I'm on Clubhouse. All the social media things. I hate social media, yet I'm on all of them. Bellwether Hub. Follow me on those. And reach out. Tell me what you're dealing with. Would love to hear more and, and see what else I could talk about on this podcast that would be helpful for you. So as always, thank you. Have a great holiday season. We've got a few interviews coming up for the end of the year, but I'm going to be kind of silent. And uh, enjoy yourself. I'll see you in the new year. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for listening. Now, do something for yourself. Bellwether is much more than just a podcast. Join us at bellwetherhub.com, where you can read riveting articles, view upcoming events, and connect with other interesting people. I look forward to seeing you out there soon. Bellwether.